morning. You're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, New Haven's home for community radio. I'm Mubaraka Ibrahim, and this is Mornings with Mubaraka, streaming live on newhavenindependent.org. I want to welcome you this wonderful Wednesday morning. I'm your Wednesday morning voice. We are talking about national issues from a local level through a lens of diversity. So we talk about a little bit of everything here on Mornings with Mubaraka. So you want to make sure that you tune in every week, every Wednesday, every week. It is every week is every Wednesday, right? (laughs) Every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We will be live streamed on uh, Facebook on both the New Haven Independent website, I mean, Facebook page, as well as my Facebook page. In addition to that, if you are not around a computer or your phone or you're at work, you can actually stream us live if you go to newhavenindependent.org and you click on the WNHH tab in the upper left corner. You can actually just listen. So if you, uh, if you can't stream live on the internet and so we have all kind of options. If you like, darn it, I miss Mubarak's show. You can actually go to SoundCloud and iTunes and you can look up WNHH uh, community radio and you can find all of the, um, all of the past episodes. Um, and they're normally archived there within 24 hours. So make sure you go and check out some of the stuff that we've done in the past. So today we are talking about entrepreneurship and the food industry. So as you may know, this is a topic that is of quite a recent but strong interest of mine, because as my children has deemed me a serial entrepreneur, I have started a pie company. And so here is the, so I'm going to give you, a, share a little bit about you, my adventures, things that I've learned along the way. And we're going to talk a little bit about entrepreneurship and what people actually need to do to get started, particularly in this industry. And every industry is a little bit different. So entrepreneurship in itself is always an interesting journey, only for the brave of heart, right? Um, And it is really seeing a dream or mission you have to fruition. One of the things that I encourage entrepreneurs or people who have entrepreneurial dreams to do is really to sit back and create a plan and not just a, a, a short plan. So the first thing that I recommend and what I did with with my particular pie business was what is the ultimate goal? Like when you achieve this, you would have achieved the first milestone, right? That could be in a million, um, have a million dollars in profit. That could be, um, you know, that I have a store internationally. For me, my initial idea in my head was I'm going to get my pies into Whole Foods, right? (laughs) And I actually thought it would take longer than it did. So now I have to set new goals (laughs) because they are in Whole Foods. But um, everybody starts their journey in a different way. And I always, uh, and I always really encourage people to explore lots of options and when it sounds very cliche but don't be afraid to fail right if you don't try and even if you fail you won't know that whether or not that particular thing would have been successful um you know having an industry and fitness and nutrition it was very outside of my box and my comfort zone to go into uh, a food industry but i said you know what why not Right. So that's always that's always how I generally start a new project. 
mm, why not? If I can't give myself a really good excuse why I shouldn't do something, then I'm probably going to do it. <laughs> so my journey into pie was really interesting because it really started right on Facebook, which is why I love my Facebook guys. I call them my business partners. Hey, business partners. right? <laughs> because they've seen me through this journey from just posting. Um, I really feel like a bean pie and don't want to drive to Brooklyn to, hey, guess what, guys? I'm going to I'm debuting in Whole Foods. right? <laughs> so they've actually seen me and uh, and supported me and and encouraged and cheered me on the, the whole way. But I've, I've been asked a lot and I'm very new. So I'm going to give you the advice from a newbie in the industry, right? From somebody who I've started uh, several businesses in my lifetime in very different industries from fitness to construction to making homemade uh, herbal teas and to now making pies. So each industry, when you get into entrepreneurship, is very different. There are certain things about you as a person that has to remain consistent, such as your dedication to your vision. One, having a vision, not just a dream, but a vision, something that you are committed to achieving and then you have to really break those steps down so that you can achieve them gradually one by one. And you can have level marker levels of success because sometimes you can feel like you're spinning your wheels. And if you don't pay attention, you'll kind of feel like, oh, wow, I've been doing this and I haven't really made any progress. But when you look back and you at the goals that you've set for yourself, you really would have made progress if you uh, just Really pay attention and set those individual goals, right? Long-term, short-term, daily goals, all of that is super important. Um, but when you're getting into an industry, particularly an industry that you're not familiar with, say it's a new industry like I did, and even if it's an industry that you're familiar with, I can't express enough how important research is. Not just research on, uh, you know, how much does pies cost or say you want to sell granola or you want to sell, um, I don't know, potato chips, right? <laughs> Not just that type of research, but one, you want to research your competition. What are all of the other companies out there doing that's similar to what you're doing, right? There's very few things, particularly in food, I believe, that is going to be completely innovative and no one is doing anything like it. You may have a different product that it puts a twist on something that's out there, but there are categories and you do want to go into that category. So I also use so I'm going to use a lot of uh, reference to fitness and to food. Because <laughs> those are the, my two most recent things that I'm really familiar with, right? So even, for example, if you decided you wanted to get into fitness, there's different parts of it. There's a personal training studio or a big box gym or do you just want to be a fitness instructor, right? You need to research your particular interest into, how, into the... Um, industry that you want to get into. So one of the first things that I did when I started off is I looked into how popular are pies in the United States, right? Is this an industry, an industry that has growth? Is it an, a, something that is common? So that was one of the things that it, um, I looked into. Then you want to look into kind of like what is your competition? So I decided that I would start off with authentic bean pies, right? And 
fortunate for me, and so there's also pros and cons, is that bean pies in particular was something that I only found about five companies in the United States that actually make bean pies. So that doesn't mean only five people make them. But if you are a store or you are a um, um, someplace or a restaurant and you want to actually purchase them wholesale, I only found about five places in the United States that actually have it to that level. Or I should say, at least that was searchable on Google. <laughs> so knowing exactly what your competition is. So that's a pro and that's a con. So for example, if you are in an industry and you know that there's lots of people inside of your industry, one of the pro is you know that there is a huge demand for this and it's going to be a little bit easier for you to uh, introduce your product to customers because they are familiar with it. So, for example, I see Natasha online. Natasha has a, a, um, a hair product line. So hair products, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds of, of different um, uh, um, um, companies that do it. So the good thing is that People are familiar with it as a product. Now, because I went into bean pies, the pro for me was that there are not a lot of companies that actually offer bean pies, particularly in Connecticut. So I live in Connecticut um, for people who are tuning in outside of Connecticut. <laughs> um and in Connecticut, there is actually none, right? I think there may be a bakery or two that make them in-house, but not on a wholesale level. So that was a pro for me. So the con for me was that a lot of people actually did not know what a bean pie was. I don't think I went to any business owner that actually said, oh, I've heard of a bean pie. They were actually like, a what pie? Like, what does that taste like? Like, is that sweet? Is that salty? Like... <laughs> Most people actually think that it's a savory pie. It's not. It's a sweet pie. So um, that was uh, kind of like a pro and a con for me. So I got so the, the good thing is that when they were not familiar with the product, I was able to tell my story. And so I began generally my pitch with asking people if they were familiar with bean pies first. And if they said no, I'm like, awesome. I get to tell you a great story about my childhood. Because bean pies are something that is a sweet memory for me in my childhood. And so that was how I introduce the pies. It is not just a product, but it's a product with a story behind it. You have to figure out what your story is. So that's a part of you marketing your business is what is the story behind your business? People love a story, right? So you have to you have to you have to kind of like create a narrative, particularly if it's something that you are making as a special formula, a special recipe, anything like that. You have to what is your narrative? What made you do it? What made you start? I mean, if you're making herbal teas or if you're making granola or if you're making, you know, gluten free kid cookies, like why did you decide to get into that industry and to actually make that particular product? Telling your story is really important. Um, so you do your research. Right. I'm, gonna, I'm trying to do this in order. So you do your research. You find out who your competition is. You write down the pros and cons. I'm a huge proponent of physically write it down. Don't just go on Google and save some websites of people doing stuff, right? Write down what, 
what they do. Where are they? Are they in your geographical area? Are they far? Um, how big they are? How small they are? Is this somebody that is your direct competition or your indirect competition? So, for example, um, in with bean pies, I have other people that make bean pies. They will be my direct competition. A company that makes apple pies is my indirect competition, right? So they make a whole different product than I do, but it's still a type of pie. And so if a store is limiting their um, product line in pies, they would be my indirect competition. So it's important that you understand those concepts. Okay, so now you... Know a little bit about your industry and how do you introduce your product to the customer? So the first thing that I did was tell people that I was making pies, right? <laughs> you have friends, you have family, you have Facebook family. <laughs> you can always offer people to test your product, right? Have a taste test, offer it at a discount. I think when I first started offering the pies, I offered it just for by cost, what it cost me to make it to people in my local area. And um, when I started making 25 pies a week, I was like, oh, well, I guess people like this and this could be a business. So <laughs> that is a good way. Another thing that's important is also to ask people for feedback, right? So don't be offended when someone doesn't like it or gives it a criticism or, um, 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 say you should do this to improve, really take it. So it doesn't mean you have to take every single criticism and try to change your product according because you're never going to please everybody. But if you hear something over and over again, then you may want to consider it as uh, a change that you, before you introduce your product. Um, and when you get to the point of actually creating the product and introducing it to, uh, and to your customers, the thing that I have heard, the advice rather that I have gotten the most was make sure that it is consistent, right? So um, another uh, really important step is talk to other people who have been in the industry. The food industry has been great, right? For the people that have been advising me along the way. So everybody from, you know, friends that I know that are inside of the food industry who I've, I'm able to call and ask for advice, even a friend that I have that I was having a hard time initially doing the pie crust and she's an awesome chef and she sent me a pie crust recipe. So um, definitely tap into your resources. This is where your networks are going to become invaluable. Use your networks. Ask people for advice. Even when I come across... Um, I've been introduced with peep to people who owns huge businesses, um, food businesses and people who own little food businesses. And I literally ask them for advice. I mean, and if I can't think of any specific question, I just say, help me in a way. What is the one that advice that would help me in this business? Can you just give me some advice? Like people are so willing to give you advice to help you along the process. Right. So, Always find somebody, talk to people who are in the industry. Try to find a mentor if you can, right? All of that is absolutely invaluable. I kind of have like a collection of mentors, right? I consider them like I'm trying to create one big conglomerate 
<laughs> right? Um, but for different parts of who I'm going to text or call or email when it comes to one part of the industry or, or the next. So having a mentor is super important. So let's backtrack. Doing your research. Um, um, know who your competition is. Have a mentor, right? Or mentors or people that you can go to to advise you along the process. All of that is super important. And if you are just tuning in, you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5, New Haven's home for community radio. I'm Mubaraka Ibrahim, and this is Mornings with Mubaraka. And we are talking about entrepreneurship and the food industry. So one of the so here is kind of like some of the specifics about the food industry. And I can't express this enough. Get legal. Get like totally legal. You get all your certifications from the state, from your city as you possibly can. One of the things that has happened over the last, I don't know, couple of years that I've been watching is that people will like make food and post it on Facebook. And, you know, they literally start businesses from their homes simply through Facebook posts. And that is wonderful. And I know that there's actually a page where these two young gentlemen, they were featured on like BuzzFeed or something where they were ex gang members and they both loved food and they left the gang and they started kind of like this in-home catering business. And in my mind, I said, I really, and I think I might have actually commented, I really hope that they have all of their state licenses because somebody is going to report them. <laughs> and lo and behold, when I looked it up, somebody reported them, <laughs> but they had all of their license. So way to go. Um, one of, so when it comes to food, there are very strict guidelines on where you can cook and um, what you can cook, but it is really based on your location. So here in Connecticut, there are two different um, licenses or licenses, I guess is what they're called, that you have to be licensed for. You have to be licensed by the State Department of Consumer Protection. And then your individual city also has a health department that has to license you. So those are two different things that you have to do before you can officially sell food to the public. Now, there are different laws throughout um, the United States, and there's one particular law. It's called the cottage law, right? And you can Google your state and if you have the cottage law, if you're interested. And the cottage law is a law that allows you to sell food from your home to the public, right? So for a long time, Connecticut did not have that law. So with the cottage law, um, uh, Massachusetts has had it for quite a while. And what it does is it makes it easier for small and micro businesses to start in the food industry because having money to rent a commercial kitchen or to um, open up a restaurant is very, very expensive, right? So when you can start off small like that, it actually encourages businesses to start. So the cottage law now has actually passed in Connecticut just this past year, but it has not been implemented yet. So if you are in Connecticut, you need to um, have a commercial kitchen, rent out of a commercial kitchen. So I knew that going in. So my first task before I started uh, a business was to find a commercial kitchen to rent. 
So in our area, and you can literally like, if, so if you're really interested in doing a food business, this is more research you have to do. Literally just go to Google is a wonderful tool. It really is. You should use it. <laughs> the, you go to Google and you literally put commercial kitchen for rent and your city and state. And it will pull up a plethora of things. And various people will actually rent their kitchen to you. So um, I rent from ex an existing bakery when she's not using the space. There are people who their business model is designed on them literally renting their kitchen out um, for other bakers. Uh, so it, you, it's really not very difficult. Now, the challenge. So here is the challenge. And I, this is something where I, hopefully other people will benefit from my experience. I did not understand the importance of the space actually having storage for me, right? So one of the challenges, particularly here in New Haven, Connecticut area, since this is a local radio station, right, <laughs> is actually having commercial kitchen space that you can rent, but that would also allow you to store foods or your product or your ingredients there, right? So for me, generally, because I can't store a lot of things there, I have to actually go to the store the, the morning of or the day before and, um, and bring it directly in to bake, right? So that becomes very labor intensive. So depending on what your particular product is. And so at first you may say, well, I um, once I make the product, I can store it, you know, in my pantry or in my own refrigerator. And that sounds really good, but it's really not practical. Just trust me. <laughs> you leave stuff at home. You got to make two or three trips to come back to the bakery. And it's not practical. <laughs> so <laughs> you want to make sure that um, uh, uh, look into that as well. Right. So. If you find out how much somebody will rent you the space for, you can say, okay, is there storage space for me, right? I'm going to need refrigerator space or or dry goods space, whatever that space is. So you want to make sure that you have that. Um, so you get a commercial kitchen, you can rent, you uh, have some place to make your product, and then you have to call the State Department of Con Consumer Protection. And they will come out and they will inspect the space based on your business, right? So if I was selling just retail, and so I am the person that is selling directly to the consumer, that is one license. If you want to be able to sell to stores and restaurants, so I am selling to a store and they are selling to the consumer, that is a manufacturer license and that is a different license. Now, licensing fees are not a lot. They are about $20 for a year um, from the state anyway. Uh, you are assigned a person that will actually be assigned to you and can answer questions and that can help you along the process and tell you what you should do and what you shouldn't do. Um, and my state assigned um, um, inspector was extremely helpful. Like she told me everything from this is the type of agreement that you need to have with the person that you're renting from. And this is what you need to make sure that you're doing. And this is what you need to keep a copy of in your records and uh, make sure that when you go to the stores, you ask them this. And like she gave me she was like such a huge help. She gave me a lot of information that I didn't even think about like 
taxing from the stores that I didn't know about. Again, very new to this, right? Um, So I expect to stumble a little bit along the way, but I have had such great support. I think some of those stumbles have been minimal so far. Um, So you're going to get your state license. So after you get your state license, you then have to go to the city and uh, and to the health department. And they have their own process of... um, of certifying you as a business, right? So um, as a business, uh, the city of New Haven, they have a retail license for, in my industry, bakery, right? And you also have to have not just your health inspector come out, but you have to have the fire department come out, the, I believe, sewage, because they are, or... The, wa- the sewage department because they want to inspect like traps and if you're using grease and make sure you have the right so th- um, tra- um, traps and drainage so grease we I'm baking I don't use grease so again it is all very specific to your product as well so a baking product is a different license than say you wanted to sell I don't know fried chicken or you wanted to sell you know ribs right so because of the cooking process itself, the licenses are a little bit different in as to what they actually inspect. When you go to the health department and um, and they will instruct you all of the people that you have to get signed off. You have also have to have the building um, department of the city to sign off Um because I am, I'm going to say, a micro business or an incubator business, um, I made no structural changes to the building. And I was literally just going in and putting stuff in the oven and using the sink. So there was not a lot of hoopla around that. So it was so for someone who's renting someone else's space, it was not a difficult process. I'm sure that process would be a little bit more extensive if I was actually opening up a physical space. So you also want to consider that when you think about your timeline of when you want to start the business is uh, how much of a wait is there going to be for inspectors to come out? Because all of that stuff has to be done. You cannot sell a product to the public. You cannot open up your doors until that's done, right? So got my city, um, I got my state manufacturer's license. I got my city retail license. And I was like, okay, now I can approach the stores. And I actually forgot a super important part about actually approaching the stores is (laughs) the first store that I, uh, that I approached, they were like, oh yeah, we would love to carry your product. Can you just send us your license, your, not your license, your insurance? And I was like, oh yeah, I don't have insurance. I didn't tell them that, but I got insurance. (laughs) So that was like on a Friday and I was like, I'll send it right over Monday. And I just went online and I purchased insurance because you must have insurance, right? Tie your camo, be safe. I'm sure that you have no intentions of starting any type of foodborne illness or having any problem with your product, but you have to be safe than sorry. You must have insurance. And most stores will ask you for insurance. I think maybe one store did not mention it, but I volunteered the information. So maybe they would have mentioned it if I hadn't volunteered the information before I 
brought them the product. <laughs> um, so having insurance is super important. You have to get your business name registered with your city and registered with the state. So those are all of the legal processes that you have to go. You have to the um, Department of Consumer Protection is who is going to give you your baking, cooking, catering, whatever type of license that you need. Your city health department is going to give you your business license to operate in that city. You also want to have a retail um, a retail license, right? So I have a retail license with the state. So my my business is registered with the state of Connecticut, but it's also registered um, with the city of New Haven. So those are four things that you're going to need. Um, and you have to have insurance. So I literally went online and found insurance. So, and again, Google talks to you people. You just literally have to go and Google like small incubator bakery or whatever you want to do and just put insurance. I believe the company is called like flip. It's like food license insurance, something, whatever the P stands for. <laughs> I don't know. I'll try to find it and link it underneath the video. Um, but I literally just went online and, uh, and I do not suggest that you just go online and just purchase it right off. I called them up on the phone and I said, you know, uh, this is what I am doing. Is this appropriate license for me? This is the type of insurance that I need. So um, smaller stores will ask you for insurance. Larger stores, like, for example, when I got into Whole Foods, when I got into ShopRite, um, they will actually have insurance requirements. So they will say, this is the uh, amount you need to be able to pay out in damages. This is what it needs to cover. They will actually detail. So I have an insurance agent and I actually sent her the details of what um, they were requiring um, before I went into those stores to make sure that my insurance matched up. So you don't have to be kind of like an insurance agent and know all of the things of the ins and outs of insurance. Again, people who are experts in that field are very, very uh, helpful and um, can help you along the process. So that's what the insurance agents are for, right? <laughs> so um, it was, so I got the insurance. Okay, so now how do you approach a store or a retailer who wants to, uh, who you want to carry your product? Um, one, I recommend that you literally call them. Don't send them an email. I have gotten almost no positive responses via email, right? Literally call them and speak to them on the phone. So there's two things. And this is just in my experience. Do not send an email because an email is very impersonal. Uh, people are more likely to say yes to you when they see you in person and they hear your story. So make an appointment, call them, say. So I literally called and I said, hi, my name is Mubarka and I have a pie company and I make blah, 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 plot pies. And I would like to come and meet with you to tell you a little bit about my pies to see if it will be a fit for your store. So don't give a whole big drawn out on the phone because if you tell them everything on the phone, why do they need to meet you, right? So <laughs> just say, give them an idea of why you want to meet. This is my product. This is where I'm located. 
and I would like to meet with you in order to see if my product will fit in your store, right? So um, that's literally the pitch and you make an appointment and you go sit down. And when you go sit down, so we're talking specifically food industry, whatever you make, bring a fresh made sample to them. Don't bring something that you pulled out the freezer or something that you made last month when you was doing your practice batches. Make whatever it is nice and fresh and you bring it to them because you want them to taste it if they want to and to have the best possible version of what they're tasting, right? So I always bring a nice fresh baked bean pie. Now, there has been some instances where people are like, well, I'm allergic to gluten or I have celiac and I can't taste it. And so what do you do? I say, well, maybe you can give it to your employees and have them taste it and give you feedback. That has happened in a couple businesses and I got in the door. And the next day I got emails and said, I gave it to the employees. They absolutely love it. We would love to carry your pies, right? So you want to make sure that you um, that you actually sit with them and talk to them. Tell them your story. Don't make it long and drawn out. Practice it if you need, but you're going to need, you know, talk for about two, three minutes max. Give them the product and ask them what is the process of being um, offered inside of their store. I had a very new product. Most of them had no idea what a bean pie was, so I had to give them the history. I had to let them know that it is sold in other locations and it does very well. And so things like that, actually, it helps you sell the product. No, even if it's not, and don't be afraid to mention your competition if they're someplace else, right? So I know that there are Whole Foods in um, New Jersey that actually does sell a bean pie made by someone else. So if they sell the bean pie, then it's a product that will sell in your store. And so I pushed my pie being a local pie. So because I have a fresh good, meaning it's baked, it's melt fresh, it being a local product is super important to my sales pitch, right? This is really important to my sales pitch. The other thing is when you approach people, be very persistent. The answer is not no until they say no, right? Right? I, so if they didn't call you back, if they didn't get back to you. Um, so one store that I wanted to get into, I would call the lady and then send her an email. I did this like every week for three. And I gave her, I always give them like, five to seven days to get back to me right so I know people are busy and the other thing too the reason why I um, tell people to give people a call as opposed to email or just showing up business owners and managers are super busy right I know when I owned a physical space nothing irritated me more than salespeople just popping up expecting that I would have time to talk to them I may be training a client I may be doing some um, administrative work that I needed to take care of. I may need to run out. And it just really peeved me when people would just pop up, right? So don't just pop up. Particularly for people in the food industry, it is a 
very fast paced business. You don't just want to pop up at, the, at their establishment. You want to call them, make an appointment. So they are expecting you and that you actually and they have actually made time to talk to you. Um, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, New Haven's home for community radio. I'm Mubaraka Ibrahim and you're listening to Mornings with Mubaraka, also streaming live on newhavenindependent.org and on the New Haven Independent Facebook page as well as my Facebook page. And we are talking about uh, entrepreneurship and the food industry. So we were speaking about how do you get your products into the stores, right? So I did not find it extremely difficult and everybody has a, has a different experience. Um, I really just went in having a positive attitude, really going in feeling like this is a great match for this store, right? And you have to also have that confidence that this is going to work for this particular location, right? Um, you know, I've had suggestions and people are saying, you should take it to this restaurant and that. And I'm like, that restaurant's niche market is Indian food. I don't think bean pies match. So I'm not going to do that. Right. <laughs> so also too, stay clear to your vision, because especially when you when you start moving forward, you will hear a lot of chatter in your ears and people suggesting you do this and you do that. And, you do that. and sometimes it's good and sometimes it's not so good. Don't try to chase every shiny thing like, oh, my gosh, I think that you should, you know, open up a chain and let me introduce you to a franchise lawyer and your pies are in like one store. So <laughs> sometimes you have to actually say no and that's okay to just say no. Um, so how do you market? So now I've had, so now we got the license out of the way. We are all legalized and we're straight and we start approaching stores and store owners. And so how do you really market? So here is something that's really interesting. Um, as you, um, obviously I know that I'm like a social media holic, right? It's okay. I can be a social media holic, but that in today's time, that is actually really beneficial, right? I just so happened to, so, um, Labor Day weekend, um, um, our bean pies will be debuting in ShopRite in Hamden. And I just so happened to be on a panel discussing entrepreneurship in the food industry with the owner of that stop and shop, right? And when he, um, not stop and shop, I'm sorry, shop right, the owner of that shop right. Um, and I had never met him before. When I went into the shop right, I actually, um, when I went into the shop right, I actually met with uh, one of the managers. I didn't meet with him. I had never um, met with him. Uh, but when I met this, the owner in person, his first comment to me was, yes, I heard that your pies were going into our store. And I also heard that you have a very large social media presence. So you never know who's watching. And one of the interesting things, so here is a tidbit about going into about stores. One of the things that he recommended was, you help to promote your product because social media and online presence for for food products is actually a challenge for 
stores and restaurants. So if you do have a social media presence, use it to push your product. And you guys know that I post every time I make a fresh delivery. I post when I'm going to go in and do a demo. I encourage my friends and thank you everybody who has come and support me, who has gone to buy the pies. Um, that is really important and it's really important for the businesses. So one of the things that I do is I make sure that I list them all on my website. I love being Pies.com. <laughs> I make sure that they are listed and I tag them in my social media posts um, on Facebook and on Instagram. I make sure that I'm tagging them because they too have social media people who are monitor who are monitoring their social media and they see that I am tagging them. And that is how he knows that I have a large social media following. So that is a benefit. So if you can Tell people about um, your pies, post it on your page, get get followers and uh, get people to share it. And it's not as difficult. Don't be afraid. Everybody got some family and friends that's on Facebook, right? Make the post public, literally message a family friend or family member or friend and say, I'm really trying to promote my product. Can you please share it? Now, don't try to make them share everything, but. When it's really important, ask people to share. So when I do pie demos, I ask people to share, right? Because that's really important Um, because the stores are watching. So they have social media eyes too, and they are actually watching. And that helps your um, credibility as a business that your product is going to do well if you can help them to promote it. So always help promote it. So it does. And I would say that is not just in the food industry. It's in every industry. When I had a fitness studio, I gravitated towards the instructors who had large social media presence. And I'm like, do you have a Facebook page? Do you have an Instagram page? Doesn't mean I'm not going to hire you, but it's certainly a plus over the other applicant if you do a lot of social media, right? <laughs> so you want to make sure that you are um, pushing whatever business or product, but don't be overly pushing, right? So I have some friends who started getting into entrepreneurship and now you just barely see a picture of their kids because everything is about their business and the sale and you can buy this and you can buy that and it's a special. So you got to moderate it a little bit because you want to still have friends that will follow you, but will not be inundated, right? So you want to make sure that when you do your social media, that do videos, do pictures. So in terms of social media, don't worry about the likes. The important thing is as people comment. So what do you want? You want comments, you want shares, right? A hundred people can scroll and like and scroll and like and scroll and like. But if they can, if it's engaging enough or the event or the post is something that they will share, then you have increased your presence. So for every 1,000 people that you are connected with on social media, you actually are affecting a million people. Because if each one of those 1,000 peoples have 1,000 people, you and your stuff is shared with them, you are affecting all of those people. That is the potential of your reach. So you want to think about that. Social media is not something that businesses can ignore anymore. Literally, check this statistic out. One quarter of the world's population has a Facebook page. 
Think about that for a second. Like, that is powerful. Now, the implications and responsibility of Facebook is a whole nother show. But from a business and marketing point of view, there is no better time in our capitalist history to be an entrepreneur and business owner than right now. The people that you can reach and how you can get your product out there is absolutely astounding and wonderfully astounding. It is great for business. So you want to make sure that you are marketing on social media. You got to make sure that you have a web page, right? A web page is your business card. They did a survey and they found that I think the number was like 89% of people who take your business cards will go to your website before they actually contact you. Right. So and people that don't have your business cards, how are they finding people? They're finding them online. They're finding them on their website. So having a website and having a Facebook page is like your number. There's the two marketing things that you need to start with. Like don't start with anything else. You just need a website and uh, and a Facebook page. Make sure you do that. Um, I am coming to the end of my time and I enjoy talking. I love sharing. We got two minutes. All right. Harry says I have two minutes. So I love sharing about the food business and entrepreneurship. And if you have any questions, you can uh, post them. You can message me and I will try to get back to it. And I really hope that if you have had in your mind an idea of starting a business, um, of becoming an entrepreneur, entrepreneur, of making your own lifestyle. So the beautiful thing about being an entrepreneur is you really can create the lifestyle that is conducive to your own personal family and your principles and you can uh, and you can you can do what you love. So I encourage anybody who is if you even just have been thinking about it, even if you have a nine to five, if you find something that you love enough, you can create a business out of it. People make businesses out of everything. There are going to, there are billions of people in the world. You only need about like a hundred thousand of them to buy whatever you is and you'll be, you know, you'll be good. <laughs> so, and that's at like minimum, right? We would love to do have a million people buy it, <laughs> but there's an, everybody has different interests. So it doesn't matter what your interest. I mean, heck like, oh, right. Sites have sponsors, alt-left sites have sponsors. People who, you know, believe that we're from aliens have sponsors on their website. People that pay them to put that message out, when I say sponsors, people um, who believe a whole range of things have people that follow them that also believe what they believe. You don't have to agree with it. You don't have to like it, but there are people who do. And so you can certainly turn your passion into profit. And if it is in the food industry, it can be a delicious profit. I want to thank you for joining me today. I'm Mubaraka Ibrahim, and this has been Mornings with Mubaraka. And I want to remind you to be a voice and not an echo.